Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Welcome here. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thanks for having me, Young. This is great. I'm happy to yeah. be here. I'm already a fan with my <laughs> girl dad shirt on. <laughs> that is dope, man. I love that. Where'd you get that? I think it was last Father's Day. I have two daughters. So I have an older one. She just turned four and the younger one just turned one within a few months of each other. And it was it was the younger one's first Father's Day with me. And so... My wife did the work, but the kids get the credit. <laughs> no, I love it, man. That's fantastic. I don't even have a Girl Dad shirt just yet, but I'm actually in the process of making a bunch of these Girl Dad shirts. So I'll get you, I'll get you one for the uh, the show as well, and I'll make sure that you get another one so you can have uh, more Girl Dad swag. But um, I love that because now I just know, I just know that you have two girls that are similar age as me, and and I think that's going to be a really fun episode to talk to you about that because we have so many similarities and we're like basically kind of in the same stream both professionally and kind of personally but I, I kind of want to jump right in before we get into any of the the parenting stuff like do you mind sharing with the listeners what you do for a living yeah yeah so i'm the chief operating officer of maven that's spelled m-a-y-v-e-n-n maven is a hair extensions company we have a digital platform mostly serving uh, black women for their hair needs. Um, we're talking weaves, wigs, extensions, clip-ins, basically the whole enchilada. And then, and then most recently, we've opened up an offline store. We're in uh, one Walmart in Houston right now, and, and the opportunity to really scale that. There's some interesting things happening. So, um, so I'm really excited, and, and, and I love it so far. I'm about three weeks in. And I'm loving it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you're you're like a you're like green, uh, just wet around the ears in this new company. But you're already you're already branching into retail distribution. That's yeah, really exciting. We want to be where the customers are. We really care about serving our customers, our community. And that's what we care about. So we're going to go where they are. And we're going to we're going to serve them. That's amazing, man. And then just, just so everyone has context, because I, I actually know this about you, but I think it's important that everyone understands just just the, 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 the volume of random and successful things that you've done in your career. Do you mind kind of just like sharing with the listeners and uh, kind of like just the, the, the wide range of things that you've done in your professional career? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll do the quick version. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's more about parents. The podcast is about parenting, but I do want them to understand that like, you know, like why I'm why I'm interviewing you and why it's like, you know, it's like it's like interesting to see people like, you know, struggling with the same thing about like building this, you know, career, but also trying to be a good parent, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started out relatively technical. I have a PhD in cryogenic physics from Georgia Tech. So super duper nerdy stuff. I was working on various space applications, worked very closely with NASA. I was actually traveling to different NASA centers, uh, doing my experiments. I would do, I would work with my uh, advisor back at Georgia Tech to 
do simulation and theoretical work. So I was like really into research and, and you know, I, I actually really missed those days. It was, it was a fun time, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily my calling. So eventually I went to NASA headquarters to serve in a policy role. It was in legislative affairs. So I literally sat between NASA as an agency and Congress as a whole. And I would do a lot of the liaisoning back and forth. We're talking like strategic plans, missions, budgets, you know, hearings, things like that. So that was really cool. And the, the head of NASA at the time was Major Bolden, you know, General Bolden, I should say. Sorry about that. Uh, General Charles Bolden. And on several occasions, I got to sit in the room with him and prep him for a hearing or um, go to Capitol Hill with him. And you know how they read those on C-SPAN? You might have seen they read from a little binder, you know, whether it's a secretary of state or whoever, they read from a binder as they're talking to uh, Congress. I actually did work that went into that binder. Like it was my job to make sure that binder made sense and had things in there and all that. And then, and then sometimes they kind of peek back and they ask questions to, um, you know, some people in the shadows. I was in the shadows. <laughs> so That's awesome. uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so if I, if I go back to C-SPAN, are there any cameos of you, like kind of in the background, like trying to like herd maybe, answers back and forth? Maybe, maybe. I don't think, um, I don't think I was in, I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody could find me or definitely That's awesome. somebody on my team. The internet is forever, brother. The internet is forever. We'll, we'll find you. We'll find you. And then I had the opportunity to go from there to, to work closely with President Obama. I was in the National Economic Council in the White House. There, the goal was to serve as a policy arm for the White House. So now I stayed in policy, but moved from you know science policy at NASA to economic policy at the White House. I think um, they were really looking for good, you know, President Obama is all about diversity and inclusion and different perspectives and new ideas and innovation. So um, I had the opportunity to go there as sort of a, like a thinker type. And, and you know, I, I learned various things along the way around economic policy and, and who was there. We had some brilliant people on staff. And so that was a really cool experience. My portfolio was around entrepreneurship and small business, um, really supporting sort of the backbone of, of America. Did that for a while as, as uh, President Obama's second term was ending. I was like, maybe it's time for me to leave government. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so I left. Um, I also wanted to make some money. And I ended up going to McKinsey. Um, that moved me from D.C. to New York. I was in their, they call it the McKinsey Investment Office, basically their investment practice. Did that for a while. That was, uh, that was interesting. Good, good learnings there. Again, wasn't wasn't really my calling though. And then, as I was sort of figuring out what to do next, I had the opportunity to work with Joel Spolsky, who's the founder of uh, Stack Overflow. He also founded Trello and Glitch and a number of other things. But he's he's like an OG in the tech world, and I didn't really know him well at the time. And as I got the opportunity to work with him and travel with him and stuff, I realized the impact he's had on tech and you know how many like. Uh, fans he had and stuff like that so it was it was really cool and he's he was like a really cool mentor challenged me to think about things in a different way but it's really getting back to um you know entrepreneurship and and launching ideas and scaling stuff so um that was that was super interesting 
So at Saberfly, I actually stayed there for quite a while and worked my way up to being the executive vice president of strategy and transformation. So yeah, I, I did that. But it's it's interesting, and I love the theme of this podcast because you know I've had these great opportunities, but when I think back about where it all started, I mean my my parents immigrated over here, had like twenty dollars in their pocket. I remember the apartment that you know I was born in and grew up in was like sort of this one bedroom space. And it was like maybe five or 10 of us there at any given time, sleeping on the floor. Uh, my dad was delivering Domino's pizza. You know, like it was, that's how, th those were my roots. So we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love in the house. Like, you know, that, that, that was the thing. And coming from those roots and being able to see the hustle in my mom and the hustle in my dad and you know, them, them starting little side things here and side things there. I, I felt like I grew up with that entrepreneur gene embedded in me. And then it was cultivated because of the environment I was in. And then as my family marched into the middle class over almost two decades, maybe, maybe one and a half decade, as they did that, they instilled a value of education in me, knowledge, you know, working really hard, all those things. And then you know, it kind of just took off from there. So I'm really blessed to have those opportunities. They get 100% of the credit. Like, <laughs> you know, if they didn't know, how, if I got stuck on a math problem, they didn't know how to solve it. They would ask like whoever they could in the, the apartment buildings or like whoever they're working with, somebody was going to teach me this thing. And, and that told me to never like say, I can't do something or give up on something. And those, those fundamentals are, are what I've carried with me along and, and what I hope to teach my my girls. Wow, that was awesome. I I actually don't know if I've ever heard the full breadth of work. So that was really cool to hear. You like are a literal rocket scientist or no, you're a cryogenic scientist. And, uh, <laughs> and then you went to law and legal and politics and then to one of the most uh, technical tech, tech companies uh, around. That's fantastic. So it's, it's really cool too, because you landed in a company now three weeks ago that is also very, very different in true, true fashion. There seems to be a cycle here with your work choices. You just like a Renaissance man, you're like looking for learnings and new things that you've never done before, because this is completely different than the other three things that you just, you know, like went through. I think what, what I was really hoping to find was the kind of business model where you're trying to do something good and, and move the needle on, you know, we're, we're living in a time with so many major issues. You're talking about economic empowerment and climate change and so many things going on in the world. Can you make some progress in any one of those areas, but at the same time, have a healthy, sustainable business, make some money, uh, be able to provide for your family, all of those things. And the Maven business model is beautiful because the more we support our customers, so people that actually buy hair and, and need services and the stylists um, that, that install the hair and, and maintain it, the more we support our stakeholders, the more money we're going to make. And the more money we make, the more we're able to support them. So the beautiful, the business model is beautiful. Like it, it's just kind of compounds um, the impact you can have while at the same time being a scalable, high growth business. So cool, man. I, 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 love, I love hearing this story because it's like, it's incredible the journey that you've taken. And I think in any one of those as, uh, aspects of your professional journey, people would say that that's a huge accomplishment and success. 
And it's almost like you're like trying to overachieve and, and make everyone feel bad about what they do because you literally have done it over and over and over again. And you're like yet again going into another sector or industry and you're you're conquering it. So I, I love to hear that level of drive and ambition. And thank you for sharing this story about your your parents and your upbringing. Cause I find that as like as I start to figure out who I am as a professional and as I try to figure out how to grow my career, because I don't want to stop, right? I want to keep growing and I want to keep learning and I want to keep I want to keep being better at what I do and and constantly like excelling, right? Like and growing that. And I keep coming into this contention with, you know, being a good parent. Because there's like very, very different skill sets that are needed for that, as well as like this conflation of like skills, values, all these other things that don't parlay necessarily perfectly over. And then the more direct aspect of time. Right. You know, and it's been really, really hard for me. And I love that you started talking about your parents because I'd love to actually talk a little bit more about that. I, I feel like as I get into this parenting thing, I start realizing how much more and more I sound like my mom and my dad. <laughs> have have you have you done have you realized that at all about yourself or are you what what have you gleaned about your upbringing and yeah yeah it it comes up you know this this whole idea like <laughs> definitely let me say yeah. that um yeah it it's you know when i'm doing something like having breakfast with my daughter or helping her brush her teeth or something like that i i'm catching myself going come on go faster come on we got to do the next thing you're taking too long and i'm just hearing my parents saying that to me. Now, it's a little different because my dad worked daytime, my mom worked nighttime or vice versa at any given point in time. So like you're on a fixed schedule. And I live in this world where, um, and I'm fortunate enough to work at a place where it, it's flexible and, and we're, we're trying to be cognizant of like work-life balance and all those things. So I have a flexibility that my parents never had. But I'm still finding myself doing the same thing. So that's <laughs> probably like how to stick to a schedule and a routine. It's probably the, the number one thing that I can see in myself that my parents were trying to do to me. And I yeah. think my wife would say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And then what do your parents think about your, your progression of work? Like, I mean, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be like confusing for them. Yeah. You know, like just like the jumps that you've made and, and, and like... How do you, how do you, how do you, yeah, talk to me about that. They're, they're really proud. I mean, they're, they're, um, they never thought that they would, they would financially be in the position they are and, and they're like regular middle-class family, right? But they never could imagine that, you know, coming over from India and, and coming to this country, they didn't know the language, nothing. And so they always said their success is like educating me and my brother you know, us having good jobs, uh, getting married and having uh, grandchildren for them, right? Like those are the things that they really value. So when, when my parents see me moving up in my career, I mean, they're, they're super proud. I think the proudest moment though was a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to bring my family in to meet President Obama. Oh, and man. I remember when my mom was entering the West Wing and we entered his office and she like was face to face with him. And oh, she, wow. she was so overcome with emotion because I like, I know where she came from. I, I visited India and, and saw where she came from, where she is today. And when she was in that moment, she just looked at him and he did his whole thing and he's very social and, and great. Yeah, he has so much swag. Yeah, he's like yeah. so cool. Yeah. At the end, young, at the end, you know what happened? He, he paused and my mom goes, Mr. President, can I ask you something? 
And my face went, me, my brother, what's she going to say? <laughs> and um, she goes, can I give you a hug? <laughs> oh, my gosh. He looks right back at her and just smiled and says, even presidents need hugs sometimes. And he gives her a huge hug. And oh, my gosh. It's a beautiful moment. I think, I think that must have been, like, really, really special for her. In terms of, like, career stuff, the, probably the most memorable thing. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> that's incredible. Like, and I mean, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to bring the race thing in a little bit into it. But like, you know how like, you know, Asian parents love to brag about their kids. I mean, you have the ultimate, like your parents have the ultimate right there. They just like went from <laughs> immigrating over here to meeting the president of the United States. Jeez Louise, man. Save some for the rest of us. Goodness gracious. That's, uh, that's an insane accomplishment. That's great. How do you think that Having kids has like changed your mindset about work though, based on the fact that like you now have kids. What are the main differences that you found in yourself and how it parlays into work, right? Is there no difference? Oh, there's definitely a difference. I, I would like to say like, I guess because of how I grew up, there was always this element of like having street smarts. And then when you enter the workforce and, and especially on the leadership level, you call it EQ. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I know there's some differences there, but essentially that that Venn diagram overlaps heavily. And I think um, good leaders have really good EQ. But in your home life, when you're constantly managing that EQ because of children and talking to them on, on sort of their level, inspiring them, working with them, but also like observing them and learning from them as well and what they could teach you about life. If you could carry that into your EQ funnel, I think it actually makes you a much, much stronger leader. Not to say like time is, how do you spend your time? If, if I'm going to leave my children to go do this work thing for money, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm doing the best job I can. I'm happy doing it. They can look, look at me and be, be, you know, see some pride in, in what I'm working on. And that's why I think it's so important to, you know, my resume looks like I jumped around a lot, but Really, I was just trying to find myself and find, you know, where I'm going. And to some degree, I'm, I'm extremely happy. It's still a question mark if I found myself. You never know until, you know, that's a lagging indicator. But, um, but that, that's what I think it's all about. And I think that, you know, having children really grounds you that way, helps you understand people better, really builds up that EQ to a level that you couldn't think possible with before kids. And, um, and then how you use your time and making it as valuable as possible. That's the, that's wild. So you think having kids has actually made you a better leader. It's actually increased your EQ and you think EQ is like one of the major components of being a good leader. So in essence, the kids have made you a good leader, a better leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what about it though? Because I mean, I, I believe you to a certain degree, but there's a part of me that needs to understand this a little better because I feel like it's so hard to like apply the same level of like EQ to my young kids. Cause, and I can talk to you about this cause you have the same age kids as me. They don't understand what I'm saying. You know what I mean? And like, you have to get down to their level and it's like a huge amount of patience and there's a huge amount of like directness that you have to like play with them. Even play is very, very direct. It's like, Hey, we're going to do tag or we're going to play this house and then we're going to do a make-believe. And like, it's very, very direct. And like, you know, when you, when you're a leader, you're always trying to figure out like the balance of like inspiration versus directing. Right. And so it's fascinating to me here that it's fascinating for me to hear that you think that it actually improves your EQ. I, I think it, a lot of it also comes down to communication. If you're a leader, 
and you're sitting in an office and looking at spreadsheets and in meetings all day, and you're meeting with an individual contributor that's, that's like doing a lot of the grind and the hard work, for you to articulate what you're saying to the individual contributor audience, you have to meet them on, on their level to some degree. And, and if you want to grow them and do career development and stuff like that, you have to grow them from where they are, some baseline and, and with some vision in mind. And, and in some ways, that parallels parenting. You, you know, your kids are at some level. You know, in some cases, it's physical, some cases, emotional, depending on the age of your kids. But you got to meet them where they are, understand where they are, have the patience <laughs> at times to deal with them where they are, and then, and then really work with them and grow them together. It, it's very, in my mind, it's very um, analogous to how you would lead a team. And, and not to mention, I mean, there's like, there's things you have to do. Like you got to feed your kids. You got to make sure they sleep. You got to make sure they shower, all those kinds of things. And then there's the things that you really want to do. You want to expose them to different activities and stuff. You want them to, to learn a lot, right? If they can learn multiple languages or they could learn faster, whatever it is, you, you want to expose them to that. Similarly, if you're running a team or running a company, you want to do, you got some things you have to do. Like you have to set expectations and you have to give feedback and you have to have goals. But at the same time, you want them to accomplish the goals, right? And so you have to work with them and you have to grow them. And, and development is like key to success. That's wild, man. I love that. I love that. That makes a lot more sense now. So, I mean, it's like taking the opportunity of like, so I guess what I was saying was I wasn't thinking about it deep enough because I was saying like, well, the, the level of depth I'm going to this is not, is not the same as doing it at work. But you're saying it's the concept of having the exercise of going to the person's situation. And the kid is just a deeper situation. So I was separating the two things, but you're saying, no, it's the same idea. Meet the people where they're at to be a good servant leader. I think so. And I think it's, it, it's hard to imagine unless you really sit there and think about it. Because on the surface, it's like two different worlds. Yeah, <laughs> how, totally. If you were able to take like a snapshot of how you were pre-kids and how you talked to people and thought different, about different things and, and how you communicated and all those things. And then post-kids, I bet you there's a massive difference there. Oh, I can already tell you, yes, absolutely. There's a massive difference here. My judgment on people has decreased in, like significantly. My my EQ is definitely much higher, right? Like I have so much less judgment. I didn't even realize I was so judgmental until I had kids, and now I'm like so beaten up emotionally and physically that like I don't judge anybody anymore at all. Like because I just like they must have kids or like or they must be around kids and they're just tired. <laughs> like I just have this higher level of empathy for people now that I have right. kids because I just right. like it's such a it's such a onerous task, you know, to be a parent or to be a good parent, right? If you want that responsibility of being a good parent. So yes, I, I completely agree with you. It's a complete different change. So you're right. My EQ has gone up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for letting me see that. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? Sorry, I cut you off. I would also say um, your entrepreneurial side or your hustle side and how you think about the world, a lot of that has probably changed too. And and it's like, who are you surrounded by? Well, when you see your kids like taking their first steps or they're in a room full of, you know, you get them a new toy, you open the box, 
and they're trying to play with the box more than the toy. And you're like, how does this make sense? But they're literally, yeah. like literally, no pun intended, or maybe intended. They're thinking outside of the box, right? <laughs> I'm watching creativity at its finest, you know? And, and that's what you need. You need to be surrounded by people that think differently. And who's, who's better than that than your own kids that are learning, you know, the basics of life right in front of you? That's amazing. Dude, I love it. And I also love that you said something that I've never actually heard before. You're like, oh, what can I learn from them during this process? And it's actually a really interesting point because it kind of goes back to the whole like concept of like uh, God, good mentorship. Have you ever heard of that terminology? Good mentorship is never a one-way streak. It's actually a two-way streak. Two-way streak, right? Yeah. And so you're applying that same concept and methodology that people also have a hard time grasping to something that's even never been compared to, for, at least by me, that you're also learning from your kids. because. That's actually a really good point. It's like taking each opportunity to learn something and, and think about things in a different way. And yeah, who knows? I mean, like my kid might be, you know, bigger, better, more successful or more accomplished than I am. Like you were for your parents, right? And so like that could be the reality. And, and that's a really good point. <laughs> Man, I hope I don't like mess up my kids. Jason, please. Now, now, I'm like, now I'm like nervous. I'm sure you're a good dad. I'm sure you're a great dad, actually. Great. Oh, yeah. thank you, man. I, I definitely am trying really hard, right? Like I take it pretty seriously, probably too seriously. I, I'm taking it so seriously that I started a, a podcast about it just to like research how other parents are doing it. But yeah, so I definitely care a lot and I definitely want to do a good job being the best dad that I can be. And I think that it's it's like super interesting the way that you're 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 conceptualizing parenthood. So how do you qualify success? Like just to like get more direct about it. What do you think a successful parent is at this stage in your life? I think to some degree, it's like happiness or, or joy, right? I, I think there's a tendency for some parents to over-index their kids on like, like career success or in yeah. other ways, um, financial success or in other ways, maybe like if you get married and have kids, you're successful, right? And the way I like to think about it is kind of like the life portfolio, right? Like maybe not any one of these things will completely make you happy, but the combination of a bunch of different, just like you'd make a financial portfolio and you diversify, I think you got to live life that way too. You know, your work is part of it. Your, your family's part of it. Your, your friends, your hobbies, all these different things that you do are part of that life portfolio. And I think happiness is kind of like managing that emotion through that portfolio. So it's kind of like the thing you're optimizing for to some degree. But the best way to optimize it is actually just manage it. So I think on a high level, I would say if you're happy, you're living your life, you're, you're not like, you know, you, you have set some goals out, you're accomplishing them, you know, you're, you're just full of joy. I think that's what, that's what any parent would want for their kids. And um, to the degree it's holistic and your life portfolio is doing well and that's the thing driving happiness, I, you know, that's a that's a sustainable way to maintain it long term. It's not tied to one individual thing, but really this holistic approach to to life. So I think that's the answer. But to be honest with you, I have no idea. I don't know what it means. You're always going to be a parent when you have kids. But the degree at which you're involved in their growth and, you know, you're, you're kind of working yourself out of a job. You want to build them up so they're self-sustainable. And then maybe you start entering that phase of you can be a parent, but also a friend when, when the time comes. You can be a parent, but also a mentor, right? Like you're, you're viewing it differently. So I hope that I equip my girls with as 
many tools and as much knowledge and stuff as possible. So when they're in a situation and they really need to make a decision, they're not really reliant on calling me or my wife. They could figure it out. And I think that's what's going to make me really proud, that they could really figure it out. And, and, and they're doing that in order to optimize for their own happiness. So that's what I can hope for, you know? Wow. That's a really good barometer of success. That's amazing. And it's, it's, it's really, really specific. And you've actually thought about this. You've thought through this a little bit. I know it's like a tough question, but it sounds like you, you actually have been pondering this. Well, it's one of those things you think about at 3 a.m. when they won't go to sleep. <laughs> you just wander hallways and patting their backs. And, you know, it's like you really think almost existentially about all of these things and life in general. So maybe some of that came up, but, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you on that, too. Right. And it's like it's so funny because, like, I, I got I think I said this earlier, too, but like, Every year I get older, I realize the less I know, you know, and it's just like you keep like realizing that like in your youth, you have this like unbelievable confidence in how the world is and what the world looks like. And then you get older and older and you're just like, God, I don't know anything. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, I know less even about stuff. And, and then I have kids and then my judgment decreases. And now like I'm like too tired to even care and have an opinion. And, and so like everything just seems much more muted, you know, and you're just like much more open to just accepting the fact that, you know, you're just a much smaller piece in, in a much bigger and complex world. And yeah, it's really funny to say that, but it also doesn't stop me from trying, trying to figure out what the best thing is. And it kind of goes back to this thing of like, do you set, do you set the example for your kids by being a certain way, you know, or like, you know, showing them like what kind of person you want them to be. It's like the whole nature nurture thing, right? right. Like, Right. Like, do you, do you enact that or do you, um, or are you actually like just directing it? Cause like, I think that I learned a lot from my, so I'll give you some examples. Like, like I, I grew up in, you know, in a fairly, you know, traditional Korean family that, you know, first generation immigration immigrated over here. Very similar story to you, actually, you know, humble beginnings, all that good stuff. And, um, we didn't have as many luxuries in the beginning, right. To like actually do extracurriculars or learn things, but inevitably when we did, you know, we were immediately put into piano and uh, I'm Korean. So we did Taekwondo. We had to do that, you know, like the standard stuff that you have to do all these like specific things. And, but then like, you know, in the middle, middle school and high school, like my parents were very like open-ended about it. So it'd be a lot, a lot less nurture and much more nature where they're like, yeah, if you're interested in something, let's go explore it. And so I chose music, you know, and I ended up learning like a handful of different instruments and my parents just paid for it. They're like, yeah, it's a good investment. And they, I mean, I know it was expensive, but it's like an interesting balance between like what you're doing and what that's going to mean for their life, right? How much do you control that and how much you don't? How, how, how are you, how are you handling that? Especially with your four-year-old as, as I'm sure she's starting to like do what my four-year-old is doing is starting to like understand herself and wanting yeah. to show interest in different activities. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing. I think um, I think exposure at this age is probably exposure to a lot of different things. Um, and then if if I recognize that she has an interest or she wants to go deeper in a particular area, fortunately I'm in a position where if she wanted to get more into the music thing, let's get her a couple of instruments. And you know, there's great stuff on YouTube. But in this COVID environment, you know, our traveling and stuff like that is really taking a hit. And so. What, what, what could we do at home or around home where we could cultivate some of those interests? Maybe as they grow older, at some point, the exposure thing moves into, 
you know, they're, they're really honing in on, on some specifics, similar to, to what you said. Maybe your parents' uh, strategy was good, like expose them to everything. And then when he or she gets old enough, let's, uh, let's, let's support that. Right. So I think, I think that's a good way of doing it, but I know at this age, like I haven't quite crossed that bridge yet, but at this age, I'm trying my best to do as much exposure as possible. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I think the other polarity for me is that like my wife and I want different things from our kids, you know, like I, I want them to play music. Cause I have like this secret desire it's not that secret. It's actually pretty public. I want them to play music with me, you know, and I want to be a YouTube sensation singing songs with my two beautiful girls. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm making, I'm making facetious jokes, but my wife wants them to say again. What's up? Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> It'll just be you, <laughs> but I'll still appreciate it. I'll still appreciate it. And I'll be like, thanks, brother. And my wife, you know, wants them to be outdoorsy. You know, she she loves the outdoors. She loves to garden and she loves sports. And so, like, she wants them to be athletic and and be outdoors. And yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that as well too. If that's what they want, I just yeah, I just feel like you know, there's like there's certain things that I feel like we're going to be able to learn and do well in, and there's certain things that people are naturally going to be successful in. Like, I think we're all unique and different in that way. And I think that finding what you're naturally good at is going to be very helpful for you to be more successful. Like. For example, there's things that you have to work incredibly hard at to be moderately good at. And there's things that you could just like kind of half-ass and still be like in the top tier, top 10%. And it's like, it's like I, I feel like being a successful business person is all about finding that out about yourself and experiencing as many things as you possibly can to figure out what that thing is where, you know, you don't have to like try hard to be in the top. And so if you actually try hard on those things that you're naturally good at, you'll literally just like catapult yourself. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you, do you agree with that concept of like doubling down on your strengths and figuring out what your strengths are and your passions are and work in the work growth? Yeah, I, I think I generally agree with that. It, it reminds me of like SAT time when they're like, you know, I was a little stronger at math than I was on the verbal. And, um, and it's like, no matter what I do, my verbal score wasn't really going up significantly. But, but if I focus on the math score, I can at least nail that, you know, and not make any dumb mistakes or something like that. Nail that and then just do the best I can on verbal. And maybe that combination would be a high enough overall score. So that was my strategy there. And I think inherently I was, I was trying to go for what you're saying. Like, you know, when you can recognize those trends and, and you have the ability to like, really boost that it will catapult you not to say you shouldn't work on weaknesses and stuff like that but it's like where do you want to spend your time and what yeah. makes what, what brings you that happiness i think a really real struggle would be like if you're really good at something but you really hate doing it that's right i, I don't know what you do <laughs> that's right that's right that's a really good point that's a really good point and i think i've actually had those moments like once or twice in my life which is probably why i have so many jobs as well like you as well right <laughs> My my concern here is this, and this is probably going to sound very evil of me as a as a parent. And I hope that uh, none of the parents will judge me. Actually, I don't. I think the the non parents will judge me more than the parents will. I worry that my kids are not going to be athletic. Does that make sense? And I and I'm pretty sure that if they have my genes, they're going to be much more in tune with math and um, like naturally good at it. Like I just know it, and I can already like kind of see it. Like you know what I mean? Like. Like the way my, my oldest calculates very quickly and she can like, she can like process information a lot faster. And my, my younger one's not quite as quick, you know, but my older one is a lot like quicker and you can like tell, you know? And so 
like I don't I don't I don't know how to say it, but like to my wife, but I'm like I'm like pretty sure we need to like do something that's like steeped in like math, you know, and so so that she can excel in it naturally, which would be you know music would be a great one because music if you break down the composition of music and you know the 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 anatomy of it so to speak it's really mathematical yeah and you can break it down into math sequences and and obviously there's art behind it on top of it but the found foundational layers of it's very mathematical and so i feel like she has an inclination for it she has an interest for it and i just and this is me like totally like dictating her passion in life but i just like feel like she's just gonna excel at it yeah you know what i mean yeah and so then i like i like i fight with myself all the time because i'm like my wife wants her to play like baseball or like, I'm like, first off, like, what could, what is she going to do with baseball? There's like not even a good women's like soft, like softball league. Like, I don't get it. Like, is that even going to be a career? So it'll just be a hobby that we spend time and money. It's like, I don't know, maybe I'm being too Asian and like, like long-term, like you could just be fun and passion, you know, but like, I don't even see the end in that. Like, what's the end point for that? Right. And and then for me, I'm like, at least with music, even if she doesn't become a professional musician, it's something that you can always do. Right, right. You know, no one's ever going to be like, oh, you play piano? Ugh, ugh. You know, they're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. Right. You know, regardless of what, whatever you do, right? Right. And so anyways, that's me like hedging bets and kind of like a little bit of a dictator to my yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I think expose them to everything and see where they go, right? Because... Some things you you don't have to do for some like end game, right? You just do it for fun. If if shooting hoops is something that you know she just enjoys to blow some steam off and helps manage some stress and stuff like that, that's a great way to to have an activity that does that. And then if if she were to go and, and do some other activity that is more consistent with a life goal, like she can be better at it because she blew off some steam. And maybe music is the outlet or maybe baseball is the outlet or, or whatever yeah. it is. Maybe it's neither of those things and she has a whole theory yeah. that you don't even know about. That's right? right. That's right. No, I know. That's what I mean. This is the conundrum, man. This is yeah. the conundrum. Yeah. This is why I get stressed out because I'm like, crap, I'm like literally impacting this kid's life, you know, just by existing. And I'm like so like laissez-faire about it when I need to like think about like, hey, like I got to be more gracious and empathetic and open to this, right? And just like be okay with like them figuring out who they are. And so I'm, I'm admitting it. I mean, I'm telling you that I'm yeah. struggling with this. Yeah. What, one of the things I've tried to do is um, like loosen up a little bit on, um, so, so there may be some things that I want her to do or a, a way I want her to do it or whatever. My wife has, has something, but I'm, what I'm trying to do is loosen up on that kind of thinking and just seeing what she wants to do. Um, so for example, if we go out and get the mail, and say it rained yesterday and there's a puddle of water. I know she wants to jump in that puddle of water. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No. And I also know, so one side of me knows that. I'm like, it would be so much fun for her. The other side of me is like, oh my God, it's going to take me an hour to get you showered and ready and bedtime is coming up and, you know, dinner is coming yeah. up and all that stuff. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is be a little bit more flexible there and just say, you know what? I'll, I'll do the extra work. Just go explore that. Go see, go see the impact of your jump on this puddle of water and how it makes the water fly. And maybe I can make a connection between that and like something in physics or something in, you know, 
you know, whatever, weather, or, you know, why, why is the rain? Does the sun not come there? Why does the backyard have sun and the front yard doesn't, you know, like maybe there's ways to like tie stuff in. That's just like, but it's from their little point of view where they want to have fun in their own way. Again, not for an end game, but just from an exposure and curiosity thing. Like let's, let's go deeper into whatever you're thinking about. Holy dude. That's where you went with that? I thought you were going somewhere else. That's amazing. You would you would try to take the parallel of jumping in a puddle and try to figure out a way to teach them like science? That's incredible. That's amazing. I don't think kids care about like math. Like right now, if I tell my daughter, what's uh three plus two? She might not your she'll like count or whatever. I have three cookies and I have two cookies. How many total? She knows it like, like it reminds me of Kevin from the office. Like he can do complicated math in terms of pies or or cakes. But when it comes to just raw numbers, it's like that kind of thing. Okay, let's explore it that way. Yeah. Find your, find the motivation. And you're like, basically that goes back to the same thing you said at the very beginning. It's all about EQ. Because you're meeting them where they're at. You're finding their motivation and then showing them new things through that through that model. And I totally know what you mean. Thing, I know what you mean about the cookie thing too. We do cookies as well. Like we count. Yeah. Cookies. <laughs> it's like amazing. Yeah, it's like yeah. so much better than just doing math. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. So cool. So, can, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite? <laughs> No, <laughs> that's an awesome question. I don't have a favorite. No, I have uh, I have things that I like to do more with one over the other, but I don't have like a favorite. But it's also probably related to age and stuff like that too. With my older daughter, like I can actually talk to her and we can, you know, have conversations and we can do imaginary like games and stuff like that. Whereas with the younger one who's um just now learning how to walk and, and put words together, I just love like like in a playful way, just like tackling her and hugging her and, you know, like doing that kind of fun. So it's, it's, um, but with my older daughter, I did that when she was that age. So I think it's just like based on where they are in life, different things. Yeah. No, man, I don't have a favorite one. You don't have a favorite <laughs> one either. Come on. I honestly, it's so funny. It's so evil, but like, up until about last year, I think I did. <laughs> I may not openly admit it, but now I guess I just did in this, uh, this very, very open public setting. But up until last year, I totally did, right? Like, and and then now, obviously, I'm bonding with my second. So it's like, you know, much better. But like, I feel like guys, especially dads, have such a hard time bonding with their kids the first year and a half, almost two years. of the first, You know, they're like so mom dependent. And and, and I mean, I, I don't know if you did breastfeeding or not, but like, even when we were doing the bottle, it was like, it wasn't the same. They Like, they really needed... It wasn't that connection. And I think it's also because like maybe it's me too, or maybe it's just guys in general, like the stereotypical guy, but like we, we need more like call and response where they just like they're just so needy. <laughs> it sounds like I'm complaining. <laughs> you know, at that age. They just want, 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 and they need, need, need. And like, you know, there's no reciprocation where at least when they're like three and four, like my three and four year, like we're like bantering, we're having fun. There's like a give and take, and it's like, it's like it's like fun, you know? But like uh I'm not, I'm just terrible about I'm terrible at like reading what I'm supposed to like, like know what they want. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It is, it is true. Like at a, at a younger age, when they're first born and they're newborns and stuff, the mom is like 
Maybe the mom is always more important, but definitely way more important in the beginning, right? Yeah, um, I, think so. I think there's data that suggests like there's still bonding that happens with the dad and stuff. So definitely guys take your parental leave. But you're right, like the, the over indexing on the mom. So at that time, like I was more with my older daughter because my wife had to balance a lot of that and, and she had to be kind of around the clock um, as she was nursing the, the younger one. So that's for sure. But and then over time, as they reach a certain age, they're able to like do more things. That's right. Um, but that's like, right. Yeah, so maybe where you spend your time or the type of things you do, but from a love yeah. perspective, I know you love both kids. I know no, I, I love, I know I love both kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a funny thing because I'm like, yeah. oh, because you have like the you have the same dynamic as me. So I just wanted to know if it was any kind of parallels in that. The other question that I'm not asking anybody else that I want to ask you because you have two girls same age as me. Have you noticed that like? they're it's very challenging like they like you're like the most popular person in the room like everyone loves you like one minute and then literally an hour later like everyone's mad at each other and everyone hates you have you noticed that oh yeah oh absolutely absolutely like, wife and in, wife included like i have no idea like they're all like all the girls turn against you like i don't know out of nowhere have you well, heard that the, the the wife was doing that before kids so okay got it. So I did it there's nothing that's changed there okay got it okay cool 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 that's fair actually now that i think about it in hindsight i think that's the same for me too yeah it brings up an interesting point it's it's uh it's like let's not take life too seriously like sometimes when i, I see my daughter right and yeah. she's um in one minute she could have like uh maybe a tantrum or she's crying about something or she's really upset about something that means the world to her and for us it's like some what like the cartoon wasn't on or like what, what what was the problem right but in a second they can move from that emotional state to like laughing and happy and playful and all that and it just goes to tell you that they're like kind of, um, to some degree, you know, they're, they're still developing their emotional maturity. But to another degree, I think adults have this thing where like they get too emotionally invested in something and, and they get stuck in sadness or anger or whatever. And they can't get out of it. And they're able to pivot. Like kids are able to pivot so quickly. It's yeah. amazing. So that's actually a, a big lesson I learned from them. Like I'm in control of my own happiness. If I'm feeling sad, I should not dive deeper in it or explore it maybe there's some degree of healthiness to that but at some point you gotta get out of it <laughs> and as a matter of fact the faster you process through it and you get out of it the quicker you'll move into this happiness phase and you can literally see that experiment right in front of you with your kids and and, and then the second underlying more foundational layer is like just don't take life that seriously it's not that important <laughs> and it goes back to what you were saying earlier you know, it's like specs, like the, the more you know, the less you realize you actually know. And right. you know, it's like, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I love that, man. I, I love it. Like so cerebral about this. It's like so in incredibly fun to interview you because I think like you're very similar to what I, how I'm tackling it. You take it like you're treating it like a business venture or like some sort of like new venture and you like want to excel at it. And so that's the same thing I do. I like look at it from a macro. I look at it from a mid. I look at it from a micro. I ask other people like. This whole concept of even this podcast is so that I can like research how other people think about it, but it's really fun, but you take it like really far. You really like think through like the macro of it all, like philosophically, it's very, very, it's very interesting. And I, I love how you like um, are compounding like these kind of macro level thoughts with the micro, but also like just, it's almost like you're trying to figure out the middle. 
like you're you're equalizing it you're constantly trying to equalize it like you're you're creating like the the well like the diversified value that's what you just said right earlier diversifying your life and then trying to instill that into your kids it's very good i just heard your 10 minute notifier so let's get you on the last four questions and get you out of here because i know you're a busy man okay thank you for doing this so let me let me fire off these last four questions and i'll let you get out of here okay okay so I'm asking these four questions to everybody I interview. So I'm hoping that this will create some symmetry to all the listeners that are listening to this and across different um, interviews. Okay. So I'm going to fire them off. What advice do you have for other parents or soon to be parents? Soon to be parents, enjoy the time you have together now, because as soon as kids come, everything changes in a good way, mostly a good way, <laughs> but enjoy like the boring things you do now, like watching movies or whatever, just do it. Cause it's going to be so hard to do it later. Um, and then existing parents just like play with your kids. Like just, just take a time out and, and get on the ground and just play with them. Do what they want, play Candyland or play uh, kitchen or, or, you know, whatever it is that they like to play, like just do it and be a hundred percent in it. Not only is it good for your kids, but it's good for you. You, you, you'll find another source of happiness, I think. It, it really connects you with your kids in a different way. So just get into it and play with them. Amazing. I love both of those answers. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? The value of patience. I've, I've not been a very patient person for a lot of my life, and um, I've had to develop that skill over time. And, you know, the, the things that the mother goes through, uh, especially during pregnancy and, and afterwards, um, and when the baby's here and then the first, you know, six months to a year, like just, just have some patience there and understand, like, you're not, you don't know everything. (laughs) So just accept that, um, you don't know what you don't know. And as a result, just have some patience, be a little bit more thoughtful and, and just be cool. Like, don't, don't like, rush to judgment or get upset and all those things. Just check your emotions a little bit and be cool. That's more for, I guess, the dads, but you know, that's my, that's what I would tell myself if I went back in time, just chill out a little bit. Cool. My last question for you is what's the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself about parenting? Just, I guess like the things that I thought brought me joy actually didn't to this degree like it's weird to say obviously i love my wife and my family and my friends and all that kind of stuff but i didn't know i could love someone or something so much until my daughter was born my first daughter was born and just immediately the emotion that hits you is like oh my god (laughs) and um um i didn't know i didn't even know what that was like that that parental love you know, that, that was a game changer. I, there's nobody that could have ever prepared me for that or described it to me. Like I, that, that was the thing that I learned about myself just to have that. Um, that was crazy. That was really crazy. And it probably opened up all this other stuff. If you interviewed me years ago, I, I, I don't know. Probably- a monster, just a pure monster. Yeah. Hard as a, yeah. Hard as a rock, sharp as a knife, right? <laughs> Oh, man, Mahir, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk to me about parenting and uh, just your life in general, man. That was really, really great, and I really appreciate it.
Thank you so much, brother. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.